good, to, good to have you with us. Good to welcome you. Nice to see faces we haven't seen in a while uh, as we come back to be here to worship on this Pentecost Sunday. Um, I'm Paul. Uh, I'm the acting lead pastor here at Granville Chapel. And it's great to be able to bring this word to you this morning. Um, I don't know what your plans are for the morning or for the rest of the day. I assume you have some. Maybe you've made alternative plans because of the weather outside or, or you thought ahead. We, all, we have uh, many plans uh, that we're making. Today's title of this message is about getting with the plan. Uh, but I want us to consider, um, yeah, what, what our hopes are as we come this morning to worship. Uh, as we come to meet with God, what's our hope? What's, what, what do we carry? What do we bring? Um, what plans are we making? I was thinking about the, um, the plans that I made, seeing some of these guys up here uh, younger, my plans as a, as a young lad, uh, my plans as a 21-year-old as, a as I finished university. Um, and I've got to tell you, as much as, I mean, as it's lovely looking out and seeing you, but I mean, at 21, my plans didn't anticipate being here and standing here and talking to you. Uh, it wasn't a feature of my plans for the future. In fact, my plans, if somebody had asked me as I finished university, they said, so what do you want to do now that you've graduated? I said, I don't know, really? I think just get a job that's going to earn me loads of money so I can do what I want. That was, that was it. Deep, profound, and... Um, <clears throat> clearly, uh, a different trajectory. Um, what are your plans? We have plans for the summer. Some of us are making plans for our marriages. We're getting married this year. Some of us are getting, making plans for our families. We're making plans for our career. If you've just finished the high school, you're going to be making plans for the fall, whether you're going to be going to university, which university, which course. You're going to take a year out. You're going to do something else, something other. Maybe we're thinking of a, of a career change. This is the opportunity. This is the moment. We're making, we're making plans. Some of us are planning for retirement. What plans are on your heart? But we make these plans. But we want to make those plans with God's input. We want to bring all of our plans and submit them to him. Lord, what, what are your plans? What do you have for us? What do you have for us as a church? What are your plans for this morning, Lord? We have this idea of what it's going to be to come and worship you this morning, Lord. But what is your intent? What is your purpose here for us today as your people as we come before you? What plans does God have for your life? Have you asked him? Have you sought him on this? Are you listening to what he's saying to you about that? Because as we come, as we heard from the reading this morning, the reading of uh, Pentecost, we, we heard the plans in, in uh, or the, the, uh, the great plans of Genesis 11, but we also heard the fulfillment of God's plans in Acts 2, the pouring out of his spirit, the fulfillment of Jesus' promise, the promise of the Father, the spirit would come and would fall. And in the fulfillment of that, the fulfillment of God's purposes and of his plans, we receive an invitation into and an equipping for the even greater plans of God for us um, and for his kingdom. 
I want us to start by thinking in terms of what what are God's plans. God's plans have always been to bless the whole earth. That we would know him, that we would be restored to him, that we would live our lives in communion with him, that we would reflect him. Right at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1, we read how God blessed them. and He said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God's blessings to go out, to fill the earth. And again, in Genesis 9, after the flood, God blesses Noah and his sons and says to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And after Genesis 11, we come to Genesis 12, where God speaks to Abraham and gives the blessing and says to him, I will raise a nation through you, which in turn will bless the whole earth. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so we read throughout the Old Testament, right up to the New Testament and the coming of Jesus, God's purposes and his desires, how through a nation he would raise up to seek blessing and to bring his presence to earth. Right up to Jesus. Right up to the point where Peter then stands up at Pentecost and is able to say to them, hey, this is that. And that blessing now is through Jesus. That it will come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God has good plans for us. The best plans. Far-reaching plans. Plans far beyond, far higher than those that we might have for ourselves. The thing is, we have a history of rebellion against God's plans and purposes. Again, right at the very beginning in Genesis 3, we see the rebellion uh, in the garden. that They they thought, "We, we could be like God. And they disobeyed God and they ate the fruit from the tree. And then as we come to the text from this morning in Genesis 11, another rebellion This post-Alluvian community was resisting God's command to multiply and fill the whole earth. Look at what it says. The whole earth had one language, the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain and they settled there. And then they said, let's make bricks, burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, we're going to build ourselves a city and a tower. And with a top that will reach to the heavens... We're going to make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. God says, I want you to go out. I want you to be a blessing to the whole earth. I want you to fill the earth. I want you to reach out. I want you to go beyond. Fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. And here we see, let's let's huddle up. Let's hold on to this. Let's, let's, Let's make a name for ourselves. And so they set out, they're going to build a, they're going to build a tower as a, as a sign of their, of their might and of their power and of their autonomy. Using, using the latest resources, the, most, the, the greatest um, technology and, and materials that they can use, this, this tower is going to last. This is, this is something durable. This is something that people will look at and see how great we are. We will make a name for ourselves. Let's, let's secure ourselves here, defend ourselves, lest we get spread out and dispersed across uh, the land. 
an arrogant grab for power apart from God. I mean, in some ways we might ask, well, you know, they're unified, they're coming together, they're seeking to do, but their plan and their purpose is, is apart from God's. And they're seeking a power and autonomy apart from him. Purposes that are not aligned to his purpose. This is a, it's a beautiful text and so beautifully written. As we read down, we've got this, this pattern of you know, how the people, they're, 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 um, what they are going to do, what they are going to achieve. This is this unstoppable plan of greatness and might. And then it says in verse 5, and the Lord came down. We're going to reach up. We're going to reach up to the heavens. But it's the Lord that came down. The Lord came down and met with them to see you know, what, what's going on. And from that point, we see the inversion of the story. Everything that they had hoped for, everything that they were planning, this unstoppable plan, this, this greatness to make a name for, for themselves. They got a name. But maybe it wasn't the name that they'd hoped for. God named them. You're going to meet, this is Babel. You're going to be known for confusion. And the very thing that they hoped not to happen was the very thing that happened. They were dispersed throughout the land. And God confused them and, each, and, they, and confused their language. And so they were sent out. Despite their monumental efforts, they came to nothing. God came down. We're going to go up and reach the heavens. Let's go down and see what these guys are doing. And it reminds us of Psalm 2, doesn't it? Where we read, the psalmist writes, He who sits in the heaven laughs. He holds them in derision. Such arrogance, such pride. We can do a great many things. We are capable of doing so much. But apart from God, it comes to nothing. Anything that we seek to build that is apart from God and apart from his purposes will not last. So what are we planning? And what are we building? And how are we building our lives? What are our plans for our family? What are our plans for our career? What's our plan for next year? For, for this morning, what are we planning? And how is that aligned to God's purpose? We each build our own little kingdoms. We might do that on our own. We might do it with the cooperation of millions. But if it's apart from God, and if it's, if it's in defiance of God's will and God's purpose, it is at best temporary, and at worst, evil. And when we see what God does here, the Lord came down to see the city which the children of man had built, and he said... Look at what they've done with one language. This is just the beginning. Who knows what they're going to do? So let's go down and confuse their language so they wouldn't understand one another's speech. And the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. And they left off building the city. Now, they would have certainly seen that as punishment. But it wasn't just a punitive act that God was performing here. This is actually an act of divine intervention through which the whole of humanity would in turn receive God's blessing. That there would be the fulfillment of God's purposes. 
Isn't it comforting to us to know that even in moments of our most epic failure, of our times of rebellion, when we, just, when we get it wrong, God can and does transform that still to his ends and to his purpose. Isn't that a comfort to us today in the world in which we live to be reminded that God is sovereign over all the earth and that no matter what is happening in the earth, the Lord is sovereign. He sits on his throne and that God can transform any and every situation, no matter how great, and transform that for his good and for his purposes. God is working. God is at work today. What we see in verse 5 is God's grace meeting with our rebellion and the Lord. We are going to do this. I'm going to do this. this are the pl- these are the plans. And the Lord came down. And the Lord came down. And so, thinking of this story and then transferring our attention to Acts 2, we see in Acts 2 a picture of a reversal of what happened in Babel, in Genesis 11. It's not that Luke actually is making this connection explicitly. But the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost certainly does unify humanity around the Lordship of Christ. What was dispersed, what was divided, is now coming together around the Lordship of Christ. And nothing could have demonstrated this more clearly than this multiracial, multinational, multilingual nature of the kingdom of Christ. A reversal of the rebellion, a reversal of that curse is happening here, we see in Acts 2. We read in verses 2 to 4 about the, um, the sound. The heaven came like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided, they, they heard the sound. They, they saw divided tongues as if fire appearing on them and resting on each of them. So they, they heard, they saw, and they were filled. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. An audible and visible manifestation, outpouring of the Spirit that led to the outward manifestation of inspired speech. The dispersed were now gathered, devout men of every nation, devout Jews. And at Babel, the languages were confused and the nations were scattered. But in Jerusalem, the language barrier was supernaturally overcome as a sign that the nations would be gathered in Christ. Anticipating a day when the redeemed will come from every nation, tribe, people, and language, and worship before the Lamb. Let us go up to the heavens, and God came down. As the people gathered humbly in Jerusalem, waiting for Pentecost, waiting for the Spirit to come. So God came down. And a new unity achieved through the language of the Spirit. Not one language, 
but many, so that all could understand it. How can we understand it? We're all, they are speaking in, in, our, in our language, a language that we can understand. What does this mean? It means that to this day, God, the Spirit of God empowers us in our Christian witness to take the gospel to the whole earth, to all people, until Jesus' return. And then Peter speaks, and he speaks in a way that is anointed by the Holy Spirit. This simple man speaks and delivers a speech that explains to them that this, this is that. You know, what you're seeing, no, no, these men are not drunk, as you think. But, but this is that. This is, this is what the prophet Joel talked us and told us about. And he said, in the last days it shall be. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even on male servants, female servants those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. Peter's saying, in these days, those days have come. This is a new era, a new age of the Spirit. And we are invited into and empowered to live into that purpose and God's plan. To bless and to fill the whole earth. What does that mean? What does it mean to us? Peter explaining that the, our unity now through the Spirit that we gather around the one person, Jesus Christ, that all who call on his name shall be saved. What does this mean? What does this mean to us today? Well, we're reminded again of the sovereignty of God's plans and his purposes. To be reminded of his faithfulness, of God's power over all things, brings comfort to us in our pain. It brings courage to us in our battles and confidence in the victory. That no matter what is going on, no matter how life is unraveling, whatever we see in our world around us, God is at work and his spirit is active today. We have comfort in our pain. We can find courage in our battles and confidence in the victory of all that God is doing and will do. And more than that, that through Jesus, we are all invited into something even greater and more purposeful, more satisfying, everlasting, and by the Spirit, we are empowered to live into that purpose. What are our plans? What is the Lord asking of us today as his church, as a community? As we start our day, like, what am I going to do? What do I feel like doing? Lord, what if, what if we start and say, Lord, who, who can I bless today? What are your plans for us today? To who are you sending us today, Lord? How might I, empowered by your spirit, bring a word of encouragement to someone, to pray for somebody, to serve someone, to share of the good news of Jesus? What plans does God have for you? 
How does the Lord intend for you to spend your time and your money and your resources, your energy? What does the Lord have for us this morning?